Thanks for checking out the Church RC podcast today. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you. Now, here's Pastor Brian Sparks. Come on, how's everybody doing this morning? You doing okay? Good to be here. Good to be back. Come on, I've been out for a couple of weeks. I was, uh, uh, we were with family uh, last week, but then the week before that, I uh, got the dreaded stomach virus that has been going around. That stuff's from the devil. Straight from the pits of hell. Seriously, it was not good. Uh, I won't go into detail because it's not a good thing, amen. And so uh, if you had that, uh, I'm glad that you're here, and I'm glad you lived through it, and uh, we're good to go. And uh, But thank you so much. We missed, I missed you, and uh, I, I'm so glad that uh, y'all, y'all are here, and y'all prayed for me, and you sent me Facebook messages and all of that. Thank you so much. I'm glad I have a church family like y'all. Y'all are awesome. Come on. Give yourself a round of applause because you're awesome. And, uh, and anyways, and so we're just, we're just so, uh, I love this church. I, I miss it when we're gone. Uh, we have, uh, we have our Christmas service that's coming up. Come on, all this month we have a lot of fun things planned for your kids, so it's a great time to invite your friends to come to church. Uh, we have Santa, I think next week, is that right? That's Crystal's favorite. She loves Santa Claus and loves get, she gets a picture with Santa every year. And so uh, right now we have the Polar Express going on. Come on, your kids are getting to ride a train here at church, and it's awesome and amazing. And we try to make it not just special for you, uh, but special for your kids. And so uh, we I always tell people that I babysit the adults while the kids, uh, we raise up world leaders and world changers in the, in the kids' area. Uh, we don't treat it like it's, oh, well, we'll just get rid of the kids. We actually believe. Uh, believe that they're the next presidents and CEOs and, and their future. Amen. And uh, so anyways, but we're, we're just, we've got a lot of exciting things happening. We have a, a Christmas Eve Eve service, come on, on 12-23. And this year's kind of unique. We have uh, uh, Christmas Falls on Sunday and on, uh, New Year's Falls on Sunday. And uh, that makes for a very interesting thing, uh, especially when it takes 95 people just to make this serv- uh, a service a Sunday go off. And, and so we're, we're taking off uh, those two Sundays, and then we're going to come back strong. Come on, we're going we're gonna to come back and we're going to take new ground, so, uh, but we're, we're going to take those two Sundays off. We're having our Christmas Eve, Eve service on 12-23 and two services for you, and then we're going to, come on, you get to, we love family. And we don't, I, 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 here's the thing is, some of y'all are like, well, I wasn't going to be here anyway, because I ain't going, I, come on, I'm not, I, on Christmas Day, it's one of those things, and so, uh, but we're, we're, that's what we're going to do, and our dream team, we love our dream team, they work so hard to put this together every Sunday, and, and can you imagine having to get up at, at be here at 6 a.m. to set this all up on Christmas Day, come on, uh, and so, anyways, but we got a lot of great things happening in between now and then, Amen. We're starting a brand new series today uh, called The Light of the World, and uh, I'm excited to kick it off. Uh, I, somebody came up to me, and they said, you better preach good today. You've been gone for two weeks, and I said, I don't even know if I know how to preach anymore, so you're going to have to help me preach, all right? So here at this church, we believe a quiet church is a, and we're not a dead church, so we say things like amen, or that's good, or you better preach, you bald white man, whatever you feel like. 
saying. You can say a lot of things, just don't cuss at me because somebody will remove you. And, uh, but, but here's the deal is that, that we, believe, uh, we believe the word of God deserves a response. And so if you have a Bible, turns to Romans 8. Romans 8, 31. We're going to start in verse 31. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. Don't, don't feel condemned at all. We have it right here on the screens for you. Romans 8, 31. And I'll read it twice because it's a very short verse. It says this. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? One more time. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If you're taking notes today, which I hope you are, because we have a saying here that paper never forgets, you can title this message, God is for me. God is for me. Lord, I thank you right now for the word of God. I thank you that it's sharper than any two-edged sword. I thank you that every ear in here is open and receptive to hear your word. Lord, they didn't come to hear a word from man. They've come to hear a word from you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would use me to speak to the hearts of your people. Lord, let every life be changed. Let no one leave the same in Jesus' name. And everybody said, well, Merry Christmas, everyone. I don't know about you, but I love this time of year. Right? They, there's a, most people think it's the most wonderful time of the year. Some of you are out there thinking, I don't agree with that statement at all. It's the most expensive time. If you said that, I would agree with it. But uh, the most wonderful, come on, the, the, the most, uh, you, you got to put up Christmas decorations and you got to wrap Christmas presents. But the truth is, is that I love this time of year. Our family has a lot of traditions. Uh, Crystal loves traditions and we do a lot of different things. And, and uh, one of our favorite things to do is we make gingerbread houses. Uh, we don't actually bake the gingerbread. We buy them in the box. Come on. Because we're a little bit lazy, we're not that good. So, uh, but we buy these and we have these decorating competitions. And and uh, one one year we had had all the we we decorated these gingerbread houses and we had them set up. And my my nephew came over and he saw the gingerbread. And him and my son are walking through the kit or, or the dining room and they see the gingerbread house. And and my nephew reaches over and grabs a gumdrop off the the gingerbread house and eats it. And my son looks at him and goes, what are you doing? And he goes, what, I'm just eating, just eating a gumdrop. He goes, no, you're eating our memories. <laughs> but here's the thing is that I love Christmas, right? Because here's the, here's the deal is everybody's a little bit nicer, right? We kind of act like the people that we should act year round, we're a little bit happier. Come on, we smile a little more. Uh, we laugh a little more. We, there's a little bit of hope in the air. Come on, we sing stupid Christmas songs that make absolutely no sense and nobody says anything, right? What in the heck is Rudy Toot Toot and a Rummy Tum Tum? For crying out loud, I don't know of another time of year when a grown man would sing that and be serious about it. But here's the thing is that we love Christmas. People love Christmas. And as much as I love Christmas now, it was a lot better when I was a kid. Christmas was awesome when I was a kid, right? Because here's the deal is that I didn't even have to think. I didn't have to cook dinner for anybody. But I didn't, also I didn't have to think about what I was going to cook 
for dinner, right? I just showed up. That's the way it was. I, I just walked into the room and I knew that the meal would be prepped for me. I knew that everything, all of my favorite dishes would be there. I, I knew that, uh, I, I knew that, uh, I wasn't even going to have to make my own plate because I could walk through the line and point to the dishes that I wanted and my mom would make my plate for me. It's a great time of the year. I didn't have to think about what I was going to buy anybody. Come on. And all the husbands said, amen. Because now, right now, you're starting to think, what in the world am I going to get this woman of mine, right? I didn't have to think about what I was going to buy any, anybody. I just showed up in open presence, and it was, it's an amazing time of the year. And, and, and when you're a kid, you kind of believe that anything is possible, and, and you'll ask for things because you think, man, I, I really think that I could get this, and you have this hope, and you have, the, you, you have this passion, and it's just an exciting time of the year. Christmas is amazing when you're a kid. But what happens is, is slowly but surely, life begins to happen. And as life begins to happen, guess what? It becomes a little less magical. You start being a little more cynical. Come on, you start being a little more negative. You start thinking about all the different things and it's not as magical as it once was. Even if you think it's great, it's not as magical as it once was. Because here's the thing, is that when you're a kid, it doesn't matter, you have a hope, but when you become an adult and as things begin to happen to you, all of a sudden it begins to change your view, not just of Christmas, but of everything. It kind of begins to change the way you look at things. When you're a kid, you, you, you hear scriptures, and, and I think this, this begins to roll over into the way that we view everything, not just Christmas, but God too. Because we hear scriptures that say, uh, if God be for us, who can be against us? And when we're young, that excites us. Because we think, man, God is on my side. And if God is on my side, come on, who can be against me? I can do anything. God's fighting for me. And we're excited about that. We sing songs like, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And we sing it with all of our hearts and we're passionate about it. But the truth is, as life begins to kind of come at you and as life comes at you, you become a little bit negative and a question begins to kind of come up. Is God really for me? I know God's for other people because I've seen him work on their behalf, but is God really for me? I'm not sure. There was a time and a place when I could tell you absolutely I believe that with all of my heart. I believe that God was for me. I believe that he loved me with all of his heart. But now life has kind of dealt out some scars and, and kind of thrown some punches at me. And now I'm not sure if God is for me anymore. You know, there's a lot of things that kind of begin to change the way we view. It changes our perception. I believe that one of the biggest battles in our lives that we face is a battle of perception. And things begin to change our view in the way that we see God. And I think a few of these things are, 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 the first thing is our past hurts. Come on, we all know that we've had, we've been through some things. If you've lived very long, you've dealt with some hurts. You've dealt with some pain along the way. It's just the way it works. And, 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 and a lot of us can think back of times when we were hurt from a young age and it began to kind of transform us and it began to change us. Maybe we prayed and we asked God to show up 
and, and we prayed, and, and, and as we prayed, we prayed that our parents would stop fighting, but the more that we prayed, it seemed like the louder the fights got. And finally, the thing that you prayed that would never happen, happened, and they got a divorce. Maybe a loved one went into the hospital, and you prayed, and you asked God, God, heal them. God, I pray that you would heal them, and, and it seemed like the more that you prayed, the sicker they became. And they didn't get healed. And these things begin to come at us, and life begins to happen to us, and we pray, and we ask God, but it seems to not happen, and we left with the question, is God for me? Is God really on my side? Is God really fighting my battles for me because there, I've got a lot of past hurts and it seems like the longer that we live, the longer the list grows. You know, I was heard a story about a man who moved into a neighborhood on a lake and uh, he had a few dogs and this particular neighborhood wouldn't allow you to put up a fence. He wasn't sure what he was gonna do but, so he got on Google. Come on, amen for Google. How many of y'all love Google? What did we do before Google. I don't even know. We actually had to know stuff. It's crazy. But he got on Google and he looked up uh, and found a very humane, you know, he didn't want one of those things that shocked your dog. You know, he didn't want that. And so he found a humane way of doing this and he put an underground fence around his house. It was a, something that nobody else could see. And, 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 and they put a collar on his dog. And what would happen is, is the boundaries that were set for him, they, they would, if the dog crossed the boundary, it would begin to chirp in his ear. And the, the farther he got outside the boundaries, the louder the chirp became. And finally, the collar would actually begin to vibrate until the dog got back within the boundaries. He found this to be a very effective thing because the dog, as soon as he would approach the boundary, uh, it would begin to chirp and it scared the dog and the dog would immediately walk back into the boundary. One day he was walking around the house and he was doing a few things and and uh, he, checked on, he, he checked on his fuse box and he realized that the, the fuse that had controlled the fence, the underground fence for the dog, had been tripped. He wondered, he was like, well, I wonder how long it's been tripped. You know, has it been working for a long time? And so what he did is he walked out and he tried to get the dog to cross the boundary. He got on the other side and he, he, he called the dog and the dog would refuse to come. And I, I mean, he he got every he he did pulled out all the stops. He had his grandkids uh, who the, who the dog loved. He got them on the other side of the fence, and he said, "Come on!" And he began to call the dog. And no matter what they did, no matter offering food or anything else, the dog refused to cross the boundary. And see, here's the thing: is that I think that our past is a lot like that invisible fence, because we all have had past hurts. And we've had things that have happened to us. And what happens is as we approach the boundary that we want, that, that time that we got hurt or that time that we stepped out and it didn't work out or that time that we prayed and we believed God and it didn't work out, then what, what happens is, is we approach the boundary and as we get closer and closer to the boundary, there's a voice on the inside that says, why are you trying this? How, you tried this before. You stepped out before and it, you failed. And our past keeps us locked inside a boundary that's set for us in our past. The other thing that 
I believe that holds us back or that changes our perception of God is the trouble in the present. Come on, we got 99 problems and we got one more, right? I mean, we have trouble in the present. And I wish I could tell you that as soon as you became a Christian, as soon as you asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life, all of a sudden your problems are gone. There are no more issues. There are no, you, you get to skip through daisies and eat pumpkin pie for breakfast and not gain a pound. You get to do whatever you want, but the truth is, is that trouble is a reality because we live in a fallen world. We live in a place where there's going to be trouble. In fact, Jesus is talking, and in John 16, he says this. He says, these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will. Not you may, not it might. He says this, in the world you will have trouble, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. You know, the thing is, is that we all have these problems that are coming at us. We all have these things that are happening, and we come in, and we hear great worship, and we're encouraged by a good word, by a good-looking bald preacher, and all of these things, right? And we come in, but the truth is, is that a lot of us know that when we walk out these doors on Monday morning, bills are going to pile up that we can't afford. We know that creditors are going to call. Some of you know that you're going home to a loveless marriage. And you know that there's going to be fights and there's this trouble that is happening in the present age that weighs on you and makes you question, is God for me? I, 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 I'm a pastor and I know you think, well, maybe pastors don't have problems, but the truth is, is that we all have problems here in the present. The other thing that I believe that changes our perception and makes us ask the question, is God for me, is the anxiety about the future. Our anxiety about the future. Some of you, come on, are world-class worriers. I had somebody yell out in first service, I'm not worried, I'm concerned. You can call it what you want, but it's worry. And here's the thing is, is that we get this anxiety about the future because we're unsure what the future holds. We're not sure what's around the corner and and, and it makes us nervous and we lay awake at night and we wonder what's going to happen. Some of us don't know what the future holds and it makes us wonder, is, is it going to be okay? And we worry about what might be. You know that you have to Go have Christmas dinner with your crazy family. And they're not just crazy, but they say hurtful things. And you wonder what scars you're going to leave with this year. And anxiety about the future. You wonder if your marriage is going to make it. You wonder if your job is going to lay you off. You wonder... How am I going to afford to pay for the presents my kids are asking me for? Because the money is not there. And there's an anxiety about the future that presses in on us. And we don't know, because the thing is, is that we don't know what the future holds. We don't know what's around the corner. 
Sometimes it makes us question, is God for me? You know, I believe that there's a few things that we can do to deal with all these things that are pressing in on us. The past hurts, the present trouble, the anxiety about the future. The first thing I'd like to tell you is to help you get through this and to really begin to put your faith and your trust in God and realize that God really is for you. The first thing is you need to revisit your victories. You know, I I don't think this is something that we do very often anymore. Come on, we live in a society that's negative about everything, right? And the truth is, is you're negative about just about everything. We don't really focus on the positive and we don't focus on the victories. We focus on the trouble. Come on, we live in a society that will say that a 60% chance of sunshine is a 40% chance of rain. Come on, your kids bring home four A's and a C, and which one are you focused on? Which one do you talk about? See, we don't live in a society that celebrates victories. We talk about the trouble. And I believe that if you ever want to really understand that God is for you, you need to revisit some victories. You know, most of you know that I am a very passionate about college football. I love college football. I think NFL's okay. I love the Cowboys. It's good, but come on. I love college football. These guys aren't getting paid. Come on. They're not going to strike because they need another billion dollars. So I love college football, and, and, uh, and, and, but, but it, maybe you're an NFL guy, but it doesn't matter. But one thing that I've always noticed, and, and I think that it's amazing, is that on the outside of the stadiums, they put the years that they were champions I've never been to a stadium that put the years that they were failures. Come on. Some of us, they wouldn't be enough wall for that. I, 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 but, but when I, you drive by and you see this, it doesn't matter what stadium, you see the years that they were champions because here's the thing is that they know that they want everybody that drives by and the team that is walking into that stadium to remember a time when they were victorious. They don't want them to remember the times that they fell short. They don't want them to remember the times that they didn't make it. They don't want them to remember those times. They want them to remember a time that they were victorious. And I'm here to tell you right now that some of you need to go back to the time that God showed up and set you free, that God showed up and delivered you, that God showed up and made a way where there was no way. You need to go back to the past victories. See, here's the thing is that you got to understand sometimes the way forward is backward. You look back at the time that God moved on your behalf and you think, God, if you did it for me once before, I believe that you can do it for me once again. See, we need to be a people that are, is passionate about revisiting the victories that God did. You see this over and over and over again in the Bible. The, God says this, show up a, uh, set up a memorial so you can tell your children's children about the victories that happened, about the time that I showed up and I parted the Red Sea, about the time that the walls came tumbling down. Set it up as a memorial. And I think some of us have lost track of the memorial for God. We don't set it up. We don't show Show up. We don't tell anybody about the past victories.
Don't revisit the time that God delivered you. Some of you are going, well, I don't remember a time that God delivered me. But yeah, I can tell you a time because if you believe in Jesus Christ, you were once lost, but now you're found. Come on, you were bound for hell, but now you're bound for heaven. I can tell you of a time when God showed up and set you free. We need to revisit our past victories. Then the second thing we have to do is we must release control. Come on. We gotta release control. Sometimes if you can't do anything about it, you just need to learn to let it go. My, uh, I, I drive my wife almost everywhere. Uh, she hates to drive. And so very rarely will you ever see the two of us in a car together when she's driving. I just drive her and all the guys, it's always weird to me because I, I've kind of grown up in a family that's like this. My grandpa drives with my grandma. It's not a male chauvinist thing. I just feel like that if you have your wife drive you around, you need to surrender your man card. It really, I have best friends that their wives drive them around. I'm like, what's wrong with you, man? Like, it's just so weird to me. It's foreign to me. But, but uh, my, and my wife loves it. She, she's like, I don't want to drive. She'll ask me to drive. Hey, would you go with me here? I don't want to drive. And, uh, and, but one thing that she does that drives me absolutely crazy is she gives me directions. And I'm not the typical man, like, if I'm lost, I'll ask for directions. I don't care. Like, I, I want to get to where I'm going. I'm not that, uh, I'm not that egotistical. But, but, but here's the thing is, is that she, she doesn't give me directions to places that I don't know where I'm going. She gives me to place, uh, directions to places that I've been hundreds of and hundreds of times. Not only that, but she also hits the brakes, the imaginary brakes, anytime. I'm like, what are you stomping the floor? I'm hitting the brakes. No, you're not. You're not hitting the brakes, and the car is 800 feet in front of me. It's okay. Sorry, I'm dealing with some things. Working some things out up here. You are seeing it in the process. But, but she, gives, she loves to give directions to where I'm going. Now, here's the thing, is that when I say this, I'm talking about we can be driving from Rockwall to Roy City. And we're cruising down Interstate 30, the place that I drive every flipping day. She's in the car with me, and she'll say, Honey, this is your exit. And I'll always respond with, really? She will, she, it'll be our street. And she'll say, honey, this is our street. You need to turn. I'm like, are you serious? Would you just sit back and chill? Just relax. I know what I'm doing. I know where I'm going. And you know, I begin to think about this. And the truth is, as irritating as it is to me, I wonder how irritating it is to God. Because a lot of us are backseat drivers when it comes to God. And we're saying, God, you know this is our exit. You know this is my plan. You know this is where I'm headed. You know this is where I'm supposed to go. God, you're going to miss your turn if you don't hurry up. And I feel like God is saying, would you just sit back and chill? 
Would you sit back and relax? Come on. The Bible says this, that I know the end from the beginning, that I created you on purpose for a purpose. Do you think that I don't know where I'm taking you? So some of us, if we ever want to have peace, we need to learn that if I can't do anything, I just need to release control. Say, God, I'm not sure how you're going to get me there, but I know that you're going to get me there. I give it to you. The last thing is we need to learn to cast our cares on him. See, I think all of us think that we're really good at this. I think we think, oh, brother, I already do that. I cast my cares on the Lord every day. But I think a lot of us think, when we think of cast, we can't help but think of fishing. And so we go to God and we say, God, I give you my cares, I give you my worries, and we cast it on him, but then throughout the day we reel it back in. And then we find it in our hand once again and we're worried and we're toiling and we're concerned and we don't know what's going to happen and we, oh yeah, I'm supposed to cast it on you and I cast it again and I reel it back in. See, here's the thing is that God doesn't want you to reel it back in because God never meant for you to carry it. God never meant for you to be concerned about it. God never meant for you to be worried about it. God wanted you, he says this, cast your cares on me because I care for you. That means this, that I can go in and I can say, God, I'm giving you this. I don't know how it's gonna work out. I'm giving you my past hurts. I'm giving you the trouble of today. God, I'm giving you the anxiety about the future because I don't know what the future holds and I'm casting it on you because I know that you care for me. And when you cast it, you never take it back. I'm not saying bury your head in the sand. I'm saying when you cast it, you say, God, I really do believe that you're for me. God, I really do believe that you're fighting my battles. God, I really do believe that you're working on my behalf. God, I really do believe, like I did when I was a child, that you are for me, that you're on my side, and that you're going to work it out. Matthew eleven twenty eight says this. Come to me all who labor and are heavy burdened and I will give you rest. You know, here's the thing, church. Is God knows that we all carry burdens. He all knows that we're heavy laden. But he also knows this, that you can come to him. And that he can really give you peace. That he can really give you rest. And this Christmas really can be the most wonderful time of the year. Stand on your feet. At The Church RC, we aim to help you encounter Jesus. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at thechurchrc.com or on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at thechurchrc. If you have a story to share about how God is moving in your life, you can email us at amen at thechurchrc.com.